Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to the Digitally Uploaded Podcast, the companion podcast to digitallydownloaded.net. My name is Alan. I'm going to be your host for this podcast. And with me, of course, is Matt Sainsbury. Hello, Matt. Hello, and Happy New Year, Mr. Alan. It's a new year. It's a new me. I'm still going to make bad jokes, but it's a new me. What's your New Year's resolution, Matt? Um, Drink more. Oh, that's unhealthy. I've also got Trent. <laughs> Hello, Trent. Hello. I, I, I'm not going to drink more. Well, I do have uh, 24 bottles of wine in my new glorious wine fridge. So, uh, yes, I'll be drinking more. You have a wine fridge? Yes, because I have so much wine. I went to the Hunter Valley. you got you got to get into the moment. Oh, okay. No, so I, I was thinking that you had like a, a hole in the ground that you dug up and then had built a special wine fridge for, and not that you just go into a really nice winery and bought a million wines. No, that, yes, that's how that also we do works it in the as country. Well. Yeah, we we dig the holes by the kangaroos. <laughs> to be fair, I've always wanted a cellar, but I I don't think I could ever be responsible enough to actually use it for the right purpose because I would just put spooky things down there like skeletons and and ghosts. And we also have a guest for this month as well. Uh, we've had actually on the podcast before, so you may actually know who this is if you are a regular listener to the digitally uploaded podcast, but of course it is Lachlan, uh, of the game Max's Big Bust, which I think is probably That's your most me. famous one, Lachlan. Is that your most famous yes. one? Uh, probably not. So. At, at oh, all. Uh, my first game, Gender Bender DNA Twister Extreme, was went a bit viral in the early days of the steam pages probably <laughs> not viral right. in the best ways but yeah max's big bust is, is probably my biggest one under my solo locked up games label yeah there you go and it, yeah i'm glad to be back it's always fun on these podcasts yeah absolutely have you got a new year's resolution for this year uh i'm gonna try and finish two games this year i want to finish the one i just released and then hopefully get another one out um yeah I probably oh, I just had a kid, so I'm trying ambitious. to be a good dad and all that, but it's it's the games I got to focus on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I like fair. I like how it's... you're talking about just like finishing developing games. For most of us, actually finishing playing two games in a year would be a would be a massive oh, achievement. Yeah, yeah that's I'm ambitious. On that. <laughs> what about oh, you, Alan? What's on... your what's your New uh, Year's resolution? I was hoping that I could just skip past it because I don't have one other than just actually play a game and beat it because i don't seem to be able to do that anymore like i, I beat yeah. xenoblade 3 and that was basically the end of my ability to do anything so maybe maybe we'll beat a game this year probably resident evil 4 remake i'll probably beat that and by probably i mean i will play it seven times over and over again because oh, that is coming that's me now we've got that and the it silent, is. Hill, silent hill 2 remake i too. i would be so careful about silent hill 2 because it's made by bloober and I'm an anti bloobman Um, I think that they are not good because Layers of Fear is bad and the medium was horrific and not in the good spooky way, which is a shame. But anyway, regardless of that, we are going to jump to some music right now so we can talk about the games of the month. Um,
And it's time for the games of the month, of course, because as it is always, there are always games coming out at the beginning of the year that are trying to avoid the big hard hitters. So there isn't as much as usual, but there's still some stuff. And I believe, Matt, you have the list. I do, and it's pretty good quality. It might not be the biggest quantity, but there's some big hitters coming out this month, which is pretty impressive. We'll uh, start with the PlayStation 5, shall we? Uh, so yeah. first up, we have Children of Silent Town, which comes out on January 11. This is a spooky, spooky style uh, point-and-click adventure game, which looks quite nice. It's the, the art style in it is, is really pretty. So it's going to appeal to people that liked... What was that Bandai Namco um, Nightmare Children? Children Nightmare? Something or something. Oh, Nightmare... Yeah, the, you know the one the I'm talking about, right? One. Yeah, yeah. So With children, the little silent... guy, and he runs around. Yeah. So if you like, you kind of little nightmares. That's the one. Thank you, Lachlan. See, we knew we had you on the podcast for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, little nightmares. Yeah. So if you're into your kind of Tim Burton, kind of gothic, weird, spooky style, then Children of Silent Town will probably catch your eye. Also in January, on January 13, we have Dragon Ball Z Kakarot coming out on uh, PS5. If you're into your Dragon Ball Zs, then I'm sure you'll play that one. Um, on the exact same day, if you're not into your Dragon Balls, but you're into your One Piece, there's One Piece Odyssey, which is actually, um, it looks like it has potential to me. It's this big open world RPG thing. Um I was going to in... say, that might be enough to, like, drag people in who are not One Piece fans, because it looks pretty, yeah. like, decent, like, weirdly good. Yeah, it's it's one of those kind of rare kind of anime-based games that may well appeal to people who haven't been, you know, watching this thing for the 3,452 episodes that have uh, run so far. So, yeah, it might be you're, you're in to that iconic anime property. Uh, on January 19th... I know about that, though. Before we move on, it annoys me that I know that they will not find the One Piece in that game. <laughs> Despite it being called One Piece, they will not find it. And it's no, not going to happen. Not. And it, it just frustrates me personally. But that's just because I hate fun, apparently. <laughs> yeah, they, they never quite get there with it. <laughs> um, you got to keep having the content coming out on. That's the rule. So if they found the One Piece, the content would stop. They're about that's to find it out, though. Isn't it wrapping up? Is it? Is it finishing? Yeah, I heard he has like cartoon powers now, something like that. I don't know. It, it's been a while <laughs> since I've been on the One Piece train. But he might find it. You never know. That could be the his New Year's resolution to 2023. Get the One Piece. <laughs> the One Piece was within us all years. along. <laughs> <laughs> Better not be the friends we made yeah. along the way. <laughs> It'd be yeah. so funny if it was just like hiding under under a plank in the ship that was just kind of sitting there the whole time. Oh, yeah. And they just accidentally discovered hat. it. <laughs> Um, (laughs) moving on we've got something very indie but something very good looking on january 19 a space for the unbound now that game was wrapped in a bit of controversy last year because they had a falling out with their publisher which was pcube they've obviously now got right to it back this is an indonesian kind of um, narrative driven slice of life game which has this really gorgeous pixel art and i've been looking forward to it ever since i saw it announced we don't get i guess that many games out of indonesia that are kind of indonesian in terms of the story they tell and stuff uh, so yeah this one this one does look like it could be quite special um that comes out on january 19 also on january 19 we've got tortuga a pirate's tale which is a rpg thing uh, i do like 
pirate-based RPGs when they're good. Um, this one looks like it could be all right. On January 20, we've got Monster Hunter Rise coming on PlayStation 5. So if you don't have a Switch or just didn't get into it on the Switch, here's a new chance for that. So there you go. Monster Hunter is pretty good. Um, this one was actually a very good Monster Hunter game too. So that is worth looking forward to. On January 24, there's a game that's not worth looking forward to, but I'm going to mention it anyway because it's high profile. Forspoken comes out, and I have no interest in this game whatsoever. Oh, God. Oh, Did you play the demo? No well, it's just a, it, it, the, the, the character is basically like a Joss Whedon-style character in terms of the way that she talks and stuff, and it's all, yeah, no. Um, it it, it looks you... pretty enough, but no. Should you give it a shot, though? Like the actual demo that they released on PlayStation Store? No, I'll play it because I'll get a review code. But uh, <laughs> I haven't I been less interested in it. A... Sorry? <laughs> I don't that? think you'll look forward to it. It's not a fun game. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, that's disappointing. It's, um, I, I tried it. I, I gave it a shot. And it, like the movement was like an Assassin's Creed game, but l like less fluid. And the combat just kind of felt a bit bleh. And also the main character makes me want to die. <laughs> yeah, it's still like the main character's all this Joss Whedon style dialogue, isn't it? It's like I'm not even gonna try. Oh, that's some pretty crazy thing to happen, isn't it? Well, hey. After like <laughs> shooting a gun. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No thanks. Anyway, um <laughs> something very different. On the same day, comes out on exactly the same day, and Alan's rolling his eyes now before I even mention the name of it. Um Neptunia Sisters versus Sisters comes out on January twenty-four. So if you're into anime fan services, no. there we go. They're still making it so they're all in like a video game or something like that. Yeah, well, that's the whole point of it. But like, are they still committed to that? Because that's quite impressive. It's been long enough that they haven't just been like, it's a titty. Yeah, no, the, the, they're mean? still very much committed to it. But now as the, the title of this one suggests, they're moving on to the next generation of these characters um, as the protagonists of their games. So, yeah, I'll like it. You won't. I will. Yeah, you'll love it. I hope that you have the best time with it. <laughs> um, what else we got? On January 27, Dead Space comes out. Wow, January release. Oh. Did not realise that was so soon. There you go. I also didn't either. That's fantastic. I will play that. Yeah, I'm sure you will. I will very um, much play that. That's, I'm sure that's it'll be EA'd to death now. Um, so... They already did that to the franchise, so I'm not afraid of that anymore. When they added like the <laughs> microtransactions in Dead Space Three, it was heartbreaking. What uh, I hope, it, I hope it's good. To a series. I really hope it's good for people that love Dead Space and want that series back. And I hope EA hasn't done too much EA to it. That's that's my genuine hope here. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll hold our breaths. And. That's basically it for the big release on PlayStation. I feel like I should know what this title is. Raiden for uh, Raiden Four versus Mikado Remix that comes out on PlayStation Five on January thirty. I feel like that is a bullet hell shmup, and that is good for people that like those games. Something about the uh, Raiden. Raiden stands out to me as something that maybe is high profile for people that like that particular niche. So that is also out in January for people that care. Uh, moving on to the Switch, shall we? 
on the Switch, we have Children of Silent Town comes out on Switch as well, same day uh, as the PS5, January 11. Then we've got what will obviously be the game of the year, Kids Party Checkers, that comes out on January 12. Uh, the Switch does get an awful lot of these games. Yeah, it takes a lot of scrolling. I need to clarify. A checkers as in like the game, the board yeah, game drops. checkers. Yeah. So I, in my brain, I was like, it's kids ice hockey. And I was like, that sounds awesome. <laughs> like a like backyard ice hockey sort of thing. But you saying it's now like checkers, the board game, I could not be less interested. I would play any other game on this list other than that. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, you'll probably, here's a visual novel for you then. Since you'd rather play this, this comes out on the same day, January. Oh, hell yeah. Burrow, <laughs> Burrow of the Fallen Bear, a gay furry visual novel that comes out on January 12th. <laughs> yeah, all right. I'll play that over the fucking checkers game. <laughs> yeah. Get in there. Um, I'm still scrolling. There's a lot of stuff coming out on Switch, but not a lot of it is worth talking about. Um, do, 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 scrolling, scrolling. On January 19, we've got Persona 3 and Persona 4 coming out on Switch. Now, I'll definitely be buying those yet again. Um, That's very exciting. Having them on the go is good. Like, Persona 4 Golden, the best version of that is the, the Vita version still. Uh, and uh, having it on a console that I still take out with me <laughs> and play on the train. That'll be good. Oh, I'm looking forward to that again. Um, it's also it's coming game. to Xbox as well. Um, for those of you who don't own a Switch, it's coming to Xbox too, which is pretty cool. It's on Game Pass as well, which is neat. We don't talk about Game Pass, Alan. Alan. Oh, so I don't need to get the but Switch like, version. I just play it on well. Game Pass. Thanks, Alan. Oh, I've destroyed the entire economy in one fell swoop. <laughs> you swooped. I did swoop. I'm Magpie. Um, on January 19, A Space for the Unbound comes out on Switch as well. So if you'd rather play that on that console, I mean, there's no reason to play it on PS5. You may as well play it on Switch. So there you go. Monorail Stories comes out on January 19. I don't know what you do with this. Let's have a quick read, shall we? Um, I, does it you play as the guy from The Simpsons? Does it let you play as Conan O'Brien from The Simpsons? And build uh, it's not what I wanted. In, like horrific environments. Actually, it could be interesting um, from a kind of artsy game concept. Board the monorail and experience a special story about humanity, friendships, and intertwined destinies manifest during the everyday commute. You know, kind of one of those artsy films, but Boring. video game. I want guns. <laughs> you want guns? I was hoping yeah. it'd be like a, a monorail driving sim because I'd love that. Like a. Like the train sims, but monorail. That'd be so good. But that would be very mad. It would. I I I play train sim a lot, actually. The dovetail one. It's good. Why? Because I like driving trains. And then trying to park Choo -choo. at the, exactly the right time. And the right, yeah. You, you, often I overshoot the uh the the platform and park, you know, just in the middle of the tracks, and then get in trouble. But. I'm not very good at train sims. I wouldn't be a very good train driver, but do I do like them. like the peripherals for like just trains? Like, you know how you got the car stuff? I think you're going to like, gonna, like you know, make your, them. Yeah, airplane stuff. Yeah, no, I think people that do have those kinds of setups where they've got like a full train um, booth in, in their living room. Uh, I think they basically build them themselves, but 
they do do that because it is a hobby all to itself. Unfortunately, monorail sim or whatever they've called it isn't that monorail stories. But anyway, on January 20, the big Switch game for the month comes out, Fire Emblem Engage, the first Fire Emblem in four years. Uh, it's been quite a gap since the last one, which was Three Houses. It's actually, I think it's the it's longest. Like, it's been that long. Yeah, it's, I think it's actually the longest gap between proper Fire Emblem releases um, since, you know, way back on the GBA. So, yeah, I'm very much looking, well, I've been playing it. Uh, Preview Embargo has lifted, so I can talk about it, the early part of the game. It's really good. It's really, really good. It's exactly what I wanted as a Fire Emblem fan. It is a good return to kind of the traditions. It actually feels most like the GameCube one to me um, in terms of just the way it kind of plays and feels. So, yeah. If you like your That's Fire Emblem. That's the icon, right? What? It's the one with the, the furries, the icon. The people turn into the furry animal people. Oh, oh you're GameCube talking about one? the GameCube one. Yes, yes, it's yeah. the, yeah. the wear animals, yes. That's it. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. I've actually been replaying the GameCube one um, when I've had a bit of time here and there in the background now that I've got an emulator that kind of works. Um, and yeah, it, nice. it holds up. It definitely holds up. So it's a good series, Fire Emblem. And this will be like the 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 early impressions that have been reading, not just of my own, my own but uh, across the media of Fire Emblem Engage suggest that it's going to be quite the hit for fans of the series. So they've done good. Unless it all get messed up in the second half, <laughs> which it may do. You never know. It might um, do. I, I doubt it, though. There's too much money behind that series to like be bad. Didn't they pull yeah. time travel out of nowhere on like the 3DS one? <laughs> well, like, I remember being frustrated at the ending of that one. <laughs> uh, which so 3DS one? There was like three of them. Uh, uh, the first one, I think. I don't think Awakening? I played the other one. Yes, I believe so. The first Awakening one with the, the couple dynamic. Yeah, Awakening was the first one because then Conquest was like the third one. Mm. You know, like the. Off the 3DS ones, the ones I remember best is the remake of Fire Emblem 2, <laughs> um, which was the one that came right at the end of the 3DS. But uh, the rest just kind of milled together. It wasn't my favorite time for Fire Emblem, the 3DS uh, titles, I must admit. Yeah, I didn't enjoy the that energy rub people. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised you didn't enjoy rubbing people, Alan. It doesn't seem like a th- you yeah, thing Yeah, I found that a bit, a bit odd. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I was a huge fan of the the series, like massive, massive fan on the GBA and right through to the Wii one. Uh, and then Three Houses was very good for me as well. Uh, it's just 3DS ones kind of rolled together a bit. But uh, yeah, I, I, I really think that uh, Engage is going to do good for people who are kind of more long-term Fire Emblem fans. I don't know whether it'll be the kind of game that you would want to recommend to people who haven't played a Fire Emblem before, because it does kind of rests on the heritage of the series a bit. But yeah, you need you need to appease the old fans as well. And I think that's what they've done with this one. Again, unless they've messed it up in the second half, which I haven't seen yet. Uh, on January 24 on Switch, um, Risen gets released. And I don't know if that's like the Risen from ages ago the kind of bt euro trash rpg like the, yeah the gothic sequel yeah the one that got banned here with the the smoking of oh, the yeah. definitely not weed yeah 
was it banned? Yeah, was it was the original like, Risen Band Sneed or something? Yeah, Risen really? Band, as was um all of Gothic. Yeah, because you couldn't. No, you were able to just like do crack and smoke weed and shit. Wow. I think it was the fantasy like, version, but this was in the Michael Atkinson era of ban everything. I did not oh, know that. That's pretty I funny. Got that name. Yo, that's <laughs> yes. like a, a that's a classic 2009 meme of Michael yeah. Atkinson screaming about video games. I don't... Play the Wii instead. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if this is that Play reason. Play the I, Wii instead. I, I don't know if it's like a remake or something because I did not know that that was happening. I never played the first one. Now I know why, because it got banned in Australia. Yeah. But um, I did play Risen 2 and 3 and I enjoyed them a lot. They were very Euro trash, so they didn't play particularly well, but they had um, a lot of heart and soul going for them, you know? And I'd argue that the new Risen is just the the weird French developer games um oh what's it called the one where you go into a island and you're a horrible horrible person um oh what no you told me to play it matt what was that game called it's made by that one french developer that doesn't have a lot of oh, money they made technomancer and they made Greedful. yeah i love great that was great yeah Greedful. it's the same sort of energy as playing gothic and um and risen and that's fantastic yeah yeah i, I, I mean love that game yeah, Greedfall was excellent. Really, really good. But um and I played Greedfall and that like description of it. I'm just like, what is Alan on? Wow, it is. It is a <laughs> remake. It? it is a remaster of the Cult RPG. They're actually Hell remastered yeah. Risen. Um and it's coming on Switch. Wow. Okay, I'm very excited for this. Now. <laughs> there is you it go. banned in Australia? <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> well, give it time. That's um yeah, that's surprising. I did not know that was even happening, but very excited for that. Good old THQ. Oh, yeah. Um on January 26th, you got Wonder Boy Anniversary Collection coming out, which is 21 versions of six Wonder Boy games. I did not realize they made so many versions of the what same game. The Christ. So if you like your Wonder Boy, there you go. You got 21 different versions of it to look forward to on January 26th. More Wonder Boy than you could ever ask for, I guess. Or want. Yeah, realistically, want. And that's kind of it. Yeah, not yeah, much, not much else is coming out. I'd, I'd just quickly check PS4, though. I would be surprised at this stage if there's anything particularly interesting coming out on PS4 that isn't on PS5. I mean, maybe there's some Xbox releases, you know, just, just nah, check, check the Xbox release. No, nah, don't check Xbox. So Persona 3 and 4 are coming out on PS5 via PS4. So there's not a PS5 version, but you can buy the PS4 oh, version. Right. That's why I didn't mention it beforehand. Uh, Risen is coming out on PS4 on um, the that console. So again, you can play Risen on PS5 via the PS4 release. That's why I didn't mention it beforehand. And yeah, that's it. So no kind of unique PS4 games. I guess that weren't coming out on Switch. Just the kind of the leftovers of that console era. All right. So that's all the games. Let's go through. Let's start with Trent. Trent, if you were to pick one game of the month to play, which one would that be? Oh, no. I forgot. I actually have to play one of them. Uh, Persona. Persona 3. Probably on Xbox, though. Persona 3, huh? It's on, yeah, That's it's a great game. Xbox, yes, yeah. It is, but I, I do question people that choose it over PS uh, Persona Four. 
it's, it's like more you know, kind Persona of like that. It's just like you've got bad taste. It's just a thing. <laughs> I played Persona 4 on the Vita. I've saw that I have done that. I've done Persona 5 on the PS4. I haven't played the fancy collection expansion pack. So I need to catch up on three because apparently three is when they start getting good, wasn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, Persona okay. Well, Persona One and Two are more like Shin Megami Tensei. They're they're very very different games, and then Persona only became what it is kind of today with Persona Three. That was the first of those ones. Yeah, Persona Three does a lot of things better than Four does. I reckon the Lachlan, get cooler. off get off my podcast. Not, it is a worse <laughs> game. It's like. And that dungeon just goes on forever. I honestly recommend getting it in handheld because it is a huge time commitment. And I'm not sure if they've updated the AI because in the original PS2 oh God, release... you can't control them. Couldn't control them. And one boss fight took like three hours because they just kept buffing themselves instead of attacking. And I'm like, attack! <laughs> yeah, but... Um, Please. Wait, wait, wait but which one are you th- talking about? Because these are both the updates. So Persona 3 is Persona 3 Portable. Which they've made, yes. which allows you to control them. I'm pretty sure. And oh, then Persona, yeah, and then Persona Four okay. is Persona Four Golden, which is the Vita improvement over the PS2 original. So you do two get the Persona Threes because there's also Persona Three FES, which has different content to the oh, PSP version. Oh, of course, that's the and PS2 I, update. Yeah, yeah, I think it has an expansion pack. So I wasn't sure if I don't think it's both. Um, no, no, it's, it's Persona Three Portable. Yes, it is Persona Three Portable, which is the version most people say is the best, uh, as far as I know. It's the so. visual novel one. You can play as a girl, yeah, which is a first. Yeah, but you can't run around the like overworld, which is a bit disappointing. Yeah, but in all honesty, though, like most of my time in Persona Five that I spent was running around bloody Tokyo and having a bad time because it takes oh, too long yeah. to get anywhere. I was just looking for Anne. Yeah. That does not surprise me, Matt. I just spent most of my time in Persona <laughs> Five just looking for where where where's Anne at? <laughs> just yeah, chase her all around Tokyo. <laughs> I maxed out the the relationship thing with Anne in like a ridiculously short amount of time. It was it was it was like five hours into the game, and then I had to spend the rest of the ninety five hours of that thing wishing that I hadn't done that, so I still had something worth working towards. <laughs> I mean, you don't like Persona Five at all, do you? I don't I like Persona 5. <laughs> no, no, I, I like Persona 5 enough, but I just felt that it was not doing anything that Persona 4 didn't do in half the time and therefore better, if you know what I mean. I completely agree. Like, I loved it. Yeah, I enjoyed it's it. too long. But yeah, I have I do like, I must admit, I do like the character they added in Royal because she's a gymnast and stuff. But um, it they just adds added, even... like, 70 hours of gameplay. Yeah, it <laughs> just adds another... 20 or 30 hours. I think my run through Persona 5 Royal was 120 something hours. And that was having already played the original. So I knew basically what to do. Um, It was long. It was a very, very long game. But they did add some good stuff to the dungeons as well uh, with Persona 5 Royal, which actually kind of added to the experience as well. There's like extra things you need to track down in those dungeons. So yeah, it, it was a worthwhile update. I do recommend it. But yeah, I, I just don't prefer Persona 5 over the Persona 4. Um, Alan, what about you? One game this month. Pick it's going to be Dead Space. It's Dead Space. 100%. Oh, of course. I'm going to actually buy that game. I will buy that game. I will play it. I love Dead Space 1, 2, and 3. 3 less so, but still fun. Um, Dead Space remake looks reasonable enough that I think it's going to be okay. And 
the base game of Dead Space One is still really, really fun. Like I played it a couple of years ago again, and I really it, enjoyed it. It's it just Dead Space. It can't be worse than the you know Callisto I mean? Protocol. It can't be worse than the Callisto Protocol. Exactly. It can't. Why did they put Karen Fukuhawa, an actress I actually really like, in a game that just sucks ass? Because I want to buy it because no, I like her. Don't. Because she don't. was great in The Boys. It's I, a really bad game. It's a really bad game and uh not just the technical issues they obviously rushed it out so it could be on the market before dead space um and that's why there's technical issues in it but it's just broken in every level <laughs> like it, it doesn't tell a good story it's Such not interesting shame. it's just not a good game at all which it is a shame i'm hoping dead space is good for people that were hoping <laughs> that Callisto protocol for me exclusively <laughs> I felt um, really proud of myself because I was going to pre-order Callisto and then I didn't because yeah. I was like, eh, it might not be good. And Dodge then the a day later, everyone was like crying about it. <laughs> I was like, yes. Dodge, dodge the bullet there. What about you, Lachlan? Yeah. Um, if you were to pick one game and one game only, which one would it be? I'm going to get heat for this, but um, I'm going to pick Forspoken. <laughs> um, <laughs> I haven't played the demo yet, but I like the director, Amy Hennig, um, who did the Uncharted games mm. before they took a turn with Uncharted 4. So I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt, but I might wait for a big sale before I pick it up and I'll be interested to see yeah. whether reviews tear it apart. I, um, um, but but I'm, I'm on the fence. I'm I do hope interested. That, I do hope that you'd like it. Um, yeah, I always it, hope people like games. Right. Even, it's just a bit blah. Even, mm. even if I don't like them, I always obviously hope that people enjoy the games that uh, they play. So I, I hope it'll be good because there's obviously a lot of people that are keen on it and it's got screening. Maybe the dialogue it, so. works in context. Like I've seen some clips and it looks pretty awful, but I don't know. Maybe it works. I'm not convinced. I'm getting less excited by the day, but I'll, I'll, I'll wait and <laughs> yeah. see for a, one of those 40% off sales and maybe pick it up. But Oh, yeah. so two weeks after launch. Possibly. Uh, <laughs> it's Babylon's fall too. No, do you, did you know that, I mean, did you, do you see that they've already discounted Midnight Suns? Yeah, like, 33% mid- off. Yeah, it's already 33% off. It came out like a month ago. It's crazy. Yeah, how Gotham really Knights was 50% oh, it off is very Gotham good. Knights. Yeah. Gotham Knights, not so Gotham good, Knights but Midnight Suns is, is excellent. <laughs> I highly recommend it. It's just XCOM. It's not, it's not like XCOM at all. It's very different. Um, They've got this kind of card-based tactics RPG thing going, and Oh, it's uh, it, card-based, yuck. No, but it really works in the context of this. Like, it, they've done a great job in taking the kind of superhero thing and turning it into a tactics RPG that's kind of... Uh, it, it's I, You know I'm not the big world's biggest fan of Marvel, Alan, and I really enjoyed this. I, I This is the that best. That does mean a lot, actually, yeah. This is, this is by far the best uh, superhero-based game I've played for a, for a very, lo- very long oh. time. So I, I, I'll be enthusing about Midnight Suns for some time to come. Get it while it's on discount. It has Nick Cage as Ghost Rider. It does. <laughs> Ghost Rider is actually I love really Ghost cool. Ghost Rider. In it. Yeah, he's really cool in it. Is it the new Ghost Rider or is it the old Ghost Rider? Um. See now you. Motorbike or car? Motorbike. Yeah, motorbike or car. Motorbike. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Um. My turn. I, I'm going Risen. I'm so looking forward to playing yeah. Risen now. It came out of nowhere. You'll really enjoy it. I really, I really, I really enjoyed Risen two and three, despite they've been, you know, Euro trash and therefore very B grade RPGs. 
Uh, I like the setting. I just like the kind of way that went about making those games. So I am very much looking forward to Risen Remaster. I mean, in all honesty, I can't really say this without criminally implicating myself, but I may or may not have received a disc containing the ISO for Risen 1 from my Serbian cousin. And I may or may not have played it in Australia till completion. And I may or may not have really enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) You did the illegal thing. Legally. I mean, it wasn't allowed in Australia anyway. So, you know, you make do with what you have. And you smoke a shit ton of virtual weed. (laughs) It'd be interesting to see how they've, what they've done to edit that out. Because I'm assuming they would have. As it's now the beginning of the new year, of course, we have the time to reflect on what has passed. And I didn't realize how many games came out last year. And it was actually really hard for me to think about three games that actually were impactful in the last year because, oh my lord, there was too much. It was simply too much. It was it ridiculous. Didn't stop, did it? Got to like... the point. It just was a deluge of things. 
and it never it just never stopped every year before there, there was a period or two through the year where it, like there was a bunch of games coming out um but last year really felt like it just never stopped <laughs> it was it was crazy Golden ring came out and then everything else came out and i was like what is going on I, I know like square enix alone released like 40 games last year it was crazy every, every week and there was three more of them games. shut down yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately in some cases uh, like chocobo I, I i will stand behind chocobo gp for it but that's actually one of my most played switch games now um and i was disappointed that didn't do better babylon fall <laughs> that was just funny <laughs> that was a game I played <laughs> that, that for would... about an hour and a half with the intent of playing it with you and then it just never happened and then the game shut down yeah. it's unfortunate too because that game had potential <laughs> if it wasn't a live service thing it could have been good like it could have been a, uh, a good game but nah nah they had to try and do something stupid with it um unfortunate but there were other good ones like square enix did Diafield chronicle that really stuck out to me as a great game they did the Final Fantasy, Stranger of Paradise, which was poorly timed. I forgot about that. It, it was really poorly timed. It came out like a week after Elden Ring, which was dumb. But it was good. Horrific idea. It was really good. So much fun. I love that it game. It was. I love that game so much. I, I think I beat it recently, and I I don't think I've enjoyed a game that has been as aggressively a PS2 game as much as Stranger of Paradise is. Yeah, and it's they just like really it's, it. it's just really funny the way they kind of like pulled apart Final Fantasy and just kind of made fun of it. It was great. It was, it was a piss take. It was phenomenal. More games should be a piss deliberate, take, but though. Not... That's the thing. Oh, it like, was definitely. It must have been. It was a hundred percent deliberate. You know why I know it was deliberate? Because it was actually the same writer as the Final Fantasy VII remake, not the director. The same writer who wrote the story. Oh, okay, sure. And Ooh. he definitely knows what he's doing. Uh, and this is like his style. It's kind of like to deconstruct these Final Fantasy games because Final Fantasy VII is is very much a deconstruction as well, the remake. So yeah, that's his thing. And uh, he's hit a pretty good groove with it. I, I loved it. I loved Stranger of Paradise. Uh, but anyway, that's I not one of my three. Very fun to play. It's not even one of my three. That might be one of my three. <laughs> that's the worst part. It's like, I have so many threes now that I can't even think about the, the original three that I sent into the chat. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, also Crisis Core came out this year and I played the shit out of that. That's great. Oh, did you? Did you end up picking it up? Yeah. It's good. I did pick up Crisis Core. I think it's probably the best Final Fantasy VII story because How it has good the only is human character in the entire series. He's a great boy. I just he's a good that, boy. I, I'm a big fan of Zach. He's a he's a he's, he's a the champ. only character in Final Fantasy who seems to be human. He you know does, I mean? doesn't like, like he's actually, like he has a human personality. He's just like, oh, you're being a dick. I'm gonna punch you in the stomach and call you a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> and I respect yeah. that on a deal, great deal of levels. Yeah, that was a good game. I yeah. enjoyed that. Um. But anyway, yes. So what oh, okay, we're doing? Matt, what, what we're what doing? One of your top three games. <laughs> yes. What we're going to do? To, <laughs> that was a very interesting introduction. Basically, what we're going to do is go through our kind of three games that stood out to us as the not necessarily the best, but the most memorable games that like just stuck with us through the year. Um, and I guess Alan just told me I have to start, so I'll go first. Uh, yes. My first one is going to be probably my the the one game of all the games i played this year this is the one that's kind of stuck out and i'm going to be enthusiastic about this one for forever i don't necessarily think it was the best game but star ocean um I whatever the subtitle it. was i can't a... remember the subtitle but uh the the star ocean that came out this year uh what was the subtitle i can't remember now 
Um, I'm going to have to look it up. Star Ocean and the Divine Force. Yeah, it. Uh, for for me, it was firstly it was a return to form for Star Ocean because the one on the PS4, which was uh, Integrity and Faithlessness, that was not such a great game, uh, and. I love Star Ocean from back on the PS2 in particular with Star Ocean 3. And I, I was hoping for it to be a return to that kind of form. And it very much was. But this game just has the most epic kind of um, uh, setting. It's just such a big kind of space opera experience in every way. And uh, from the characters, I really loved all the all the characters and the way that they were written. I love the art style in the game is just breathtaking. It's not necessarily the most technically competent game. Um, for example, Elden Ring is is a much better game of being kind of this big open world, you know, massive experience. But Star Ocean just has so much unique qualities to it. It's such a kind of excellent sci-fi vision that's unique and stands out and uh I, I just couldn't stop playing it when it came out and it just has stuck with me since like every time i'm thinking about the games that i love through the year star oceans the one that kind of stands out so i would definitely recommend everybody play it you don't need to have played the previous star oceans to do this one they're not connected in any particular meaningful way um just give it a go uh the 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 intro is a little bit of a um it, it's not the world's best intro it doesn't do a great job of kind of getting you in but by the time you're about two or three hours into it you you should be pretty much sold on it so that one if it doesn't have a snowball scene at the start what's the point matt it doesn't have a snowball fight unfortunately i'm sorry trent but um Don't they all live inside a video game programmed by satan wasn't that star ocean <laughs> um I, I cannot explain how much i love that as a concept that's hilarious <laughs> I think there were self-aware video game characters in, in one of them. And then I think they've tried to backtrack from it since. Um, PSP. I'm out of the loop on Star Ocean. I just know that weird factoid. It might be Star Ocean Great, though. 2, potentially. That's the one I haven't played too much. I can't remember if Star Ocean 1 did that to you. Definitely Star Ocean 3 and whatever. After that, it kind of doesn't do that. It's not that kind of self-aware. We're all a simulation kind of thing. And certainly this one, <laughs> this one isn't. Um, this one's just a kind of, it, it plays a fairly down the line space opera thing. So you do get to go, you know, go off planet and um, explore these massive, massive kind of very alien worlds. And yeah, it's, it's, it's also got this really, it's also got a really nice mix of um, kind of science fiction and traditional fantasy because some of the characters actually live on a low tech world um, and they're wearing, you know, kind of wearing, suits of armor and swords and stuff and then you've got other characters like, like star trek who have like laser guns and stuff so it's got this really eclectic mix of characters and, and stuff and yeah I, I really enjoyed how that played off i was looking at it to buy it actually because it, it i've never played a star ocean game before and it mm. looked cool enough that i was like i can give this a whirl yeah this one give it a go seriously give it a go is it is it turn-based or is it action? No, it's action. Very action. <laughs> it's it's very oh, okay. fast action. Like, are we talking Tailsy? Uh yeah, yeah. Very fast-paced. Okay. Action. You you won't have a problem with Tales. it. it it's, the the combat system's fine. It it works fine. But um, yeah, it is okay. quite a fast-paced action game. I, don't know. I I may actually give that a whirl at some point. If I see it on sale, I would buy it. 
but yeah, that does seem like my kind of thing. The issue is, is that in a post Xenoblade Three world, it's hard for me to justify playing another sci-fi RPG. Yeah, this one's very different. I promise you, it's like the tone okay. of it is very different. It's it is very much kind of uh, more B science fiction, if that makes sense. Kind of you know, um, Ooh, War okay. of the Worlds no, I mean... and War of the Worlds and that kind of you know science fiction, rather than the Xenoblade Chronicles, which was more serious i'm depressed and in space yeah <laughs> yeah so trent on that topic though go one we'll move on okay, yeah, we're moving on well, trent pick one what, you don't want to hear what alan wants to randomly say no <laughs> i never want to hear what alan has to say to be honest <laughs> okay it's I'm, awesome. kidding. Well, I'm kidding i'm gonna go with something more recent i've been playing that ill gate little gator game yeah you're an alligator yeah, like it's got like heaps of like Legend of Zelda references and stuff like that. And basically, if it's an RPG or an adventure game, it's probably parroting or referencing it in some way. It, everything's like based off like a child's imagination. You build like there's like little cardboard creatures you have to destroy. At some point, there's like a scene where you're playing with like the cool kids and it's like a um, Phoenix writes like uh like reference like it's full of stuff like that it's great and it's a short game it's a non-insufferable like main a game hours. i do not even know what game you're talking about to be honest i missed this release it's called, entirely. It's called little gator game lil okay. gator game i'll check it out it's very good it's kind of a meme but it's not too bad in terms of like being obnoxious it's not high on life it's actually good well, it's uh... kind of like a short hike but kind of not it's fun. It's oh, yeah, it, looks, it looks it looks cute. Yeah. Wow. Ten out of ten on Steam from a thousand user reviews. That's pretty impressive. It's genuinely quite impressive. Everybody likes it. Like that's literally the thing. Everybody likes it. All right. Because why would you hate it? It's just a little getty guy who goes dup, 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 with his feet. <laughs> okay. He's great. Well, thank you for introducing me this to this one, Trent. Because, yeah, I had no idea this thing even existed, but I am intrigued now. Alan, game number one for you. It's Xenoblade time. It's Xenoblade. 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 I really enjoyed it. Only because you spent like 700 hours in it, right? So I spent not that long in it. I spent enough time in it that I got sick of it at the end. It was just like, (laughs) please end this nightmare. Um, No, that game's really good. I don't think that's a hot take. I think that's the most lukewarm take in the history of mankind. I think it's very good. I'd say it's I've probably thought, the most competent one out of all of them. I thought it had the strongest <laughs> narrative. Like I didn't think yeah. Xenoblade Chronicles one, I had a complex relationship with that. I had to play it a couple of times to kind of get into its narrative. Um, luckily they kept re-releasing it. So I had the excuse to, because I really like it now. I didn't like it when I first played it on the Wii. Xenoblade Chronicles two was a trash fire in terms of its narrative. I thought um, it was enjoyable. Oh, but it was but great. It was enjoyable. <laughs> it was but, <laughs> it was definitely not uh, the game that I played for the narrative, but this Xenoblade Chronicles 3, with the way it has like the, you know, the crazy fascist opening, and then you just know that the characters are going to rebel against that, and you know, you know, all of those kinds of things. Like, it was a very intense narrative, and I found it was it narratively gripping. tight. Yeah, I found it quite it was very focused from the outset. Um, and it has Moss from the IT. It does have it. Moss. Oh, it, it's got Moss. It's that guy's so Moss. <laughs> It's it's a shame though because I hate him in the game. He annoys me the Christ out of it. He's the glasses guy. 
And yeah. in every single anime I've ever watched, I always hate the glasses guy. But it's Moss. It is Moss. <laughs> it is so Moss. <laughs> I, yeah, the, the game is like phenomenal though. If you've not played it, it does benefit playing one and two because it's full of like, uh, okay. The idea is that it's a mix of the worlds of one and two. Where are we? Um, and there's a lot of stuff in it where you look at the environment and you're like, oh, I can see elements of this place from one mixed with this place from two. And that's kind of funky. Um, and also like the whole mechanic is literally merging the two worlds together. It's very good. I can't really say much more because it is worthwhile playing. And also I tried to explain this to my girlfriend who has not played one and two. And she looked at me like I was insane. So I'm not going to bother trying to explain it. Um, just a very good game. Very good series. I would recommend it heavily in fact yep. it's also like it's a it's like a hundred hour rpg that doesn't feel like it's a hundred hours which is a good sign compared to persona 5 yeah no it doesn't it doesn't roll on too long it, does, it, it doesn't feel like it's padded out like it, it feels like it's moving yeah. at a pace that is actually it needs to be this long because that's the the depth of the story it's telling so it's one of those rare ones that i give the pass like, on that right at the end as well so it does something well hmm. lachlan your first yeah. one I'm going to take the freebie and go with Elden Ring. <laughs> um, yeah. As someone who That's started with Demon Souls and I didn't really get sucked into Dark Souls as much, Elden Ring just completely hooked me. Um, just that open world, it was just so much stuff to do. Yeah, it, yeah, just a great game. Highly recommended if you haven't played it, but you've probably already played it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's one of, it's one of those yes. ones that... <laughs> it's, it's one of those ones that, like, it's almost like you start to have the, the counter, you know, response to it now, and a bunch of people it's hard are. Hard to fault, it, though. I feel. I feel. That yeah, it is. No, it Elder Ring sucks. Yeah, but you went the wrong way from the start, Trent. You deserve what you got. Yeah, and I am mega disappointed that it didn't fizz out like I said it would. I'm like, there's too many other releases this year. Elder Ring's going to fizzle out. No one's going to want it. And like, you know, 26 months down the track and it didn't fizzle out. It won't go over a year at the Game Awards. Like, it's shit. It didn't, doesn't deserve anything. <laughs> I don't yeah, understand why you hate it so you're much. Just, you're just because wrong. Because yeah. it's boring. It's like Brian. He keeps dying, it's Alan. Like, oh, okay. He no, I'm going to Brian and like level up a bit. But like, it's just like, there's no fun. There's nothing to do except for like kill monsters and die. Like it's pointless. Other it than, is a bit like, gothic. Just... You have to be in the right mindset for it. I wouldn't want to play it when depressed yeah. or anything. <laughs> it's very bleak, but it's, it's good. good. <laughs> it is. It, I also it is thought it like it, it told. It told a much better story than Dark Souls. Like the, the characters well, for... are interesting. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. I, I felt like the characters you ran into along the way were kind of better at whole, at, at drawing your attention to it. So with Dark Souls, as everybody knows, you know, ninety percent of the story is kind of locked behind the items that you find and the, the little mm. bits and pieces and the cues you follow along the way. I felt like Elden Ring had more top level storytelling. Like these characters that you ran into along the way, there were more of them. They were more immediately engaging, and through that, you were able to kind of want to learn more about you know why is this red riding hood like character here or you know why is there oh, that, that's that stinky guy um and then loathsome and, dung eater yeah yeah loathsome <laughs> dung, dung, dung eater you know what what's his story you know what's this dude and then you'd kind of want it is, to, it's dumb 
<laughs> you'd want to follow along and, and find out more about them. So I felt like Elden Ring was better at that. And perhaps that's why it might've done a better job of being that kind of blockbuster experience than the, even the, even though the Dark Souls games sold well, I always felt like they were inherently niche in terms of how many people yeah. were going to get along with them. I felt like Elden Ring was better at being a game for a broader audience. Um, so. I think that also comes with the open world stuff as well, because you can literally just go in a different direction if you're pissed off. Whereas in Dark Souls, if you're stuck in Blight Town, you're stuck in Blight Town. Yeah. Suck oh, shit. Yeah. Die. Yeah. Whereas here, you can be like, I'm not going to go to Blight Town. I'm going to run around and go into a worse version of Blight Town that is more <laughs> aggressively awful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is there is that. It doesn't matter which direction you go, it's only getting worse for you. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, Are you, you're, you're right. That moment where you go into like the Crimson Waste for the first time at like level four because you just keep jumping and then you realize, oh, wait, no, you're not meant to be here. This is hell. Yeah. And then you yeah, when they trap you in that dungeon early, if you open a chest, that was a bit. Oh, God. <laughs> it, it does have a blight to head equivalent when you're stuck in the mines. <laughs> yep. It's very good. It's so much good. fun. I hate that game. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, what's that your second game of the year? Yes. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to go with Sword and Fairy Together Forever, which was um, it was released, what, in August on my birthday? I was going to say, that's quite a long time ago. Um, it's a Chinese RPG, well, Taiwanese RPG to be specific, and... It has been, this is, I think it was Sword and Fairy 7 in Taiwan. This is a huge series over there. This is basically like um, their Final Fantasy. It, they've turned it into TV series, they've done live action kind of theater productions about this series. It is a massive, massive property. We haven't really had them in the West much. Um, the previous one was Sword and Fairy 6, which did get an English release, but the, the translation, the localization was absolutely horrible. This is the first time we've had one that's been localized competently, and it is really good. Um, it's not the kind of big budget Final Fantasy-like experience because they just don't have that kind of money to work with, but what they've done with it is really impressive, and it tells a very Taiwanese story. It feels different to um, Final Fantasy and other JRPGs. It feels like an actual kind of you know Chinese RPG as such. So... On that base, it's fascinating. We don't get many of those games. And um, yeah, it, it, it's really beautiful. The the art direction behind it is amazing. And it plays well enough as well. So yeah, I, I really got hooked into it. Um, I, I loved every moment of it. And just because it is so different, it is a game that we don't get many of in the West. Um, it kind of stuck out to me as a memorable game. And it's not too long, too. That's the other thing. It's kind of big and epic without being 100 hours. I think it was about 30 or 40 hours long, which is a nice length for an RPG. I wish more of them were like What's, that. What sort of game is it, though, Like in terms of gameplay? What would you say it's closest to? Uh, probably closest to Tales of Arise. All right. Um, okay. Just in the way that the kind of the action combat system works. Um, and each character has their own, you know, unique kind of fighting style. So uh, depending on which character you pick, you'll be playing differently. You'll be mashing buttons differently. So, yeah, it's probably most like the Tales series in terms of how it plays. But, uh, yeah, if, 
in terms of the story it's trying to tell, well, the, the story that it's telling, it's more that kind of Final Fantasy epic as such. And it has really okay. nice characters. That sounds cool. <laughs> the character design's really good. Like, really, really good. I would buy figures of these characters if they made them. Yeah, okay. That sounds that sounds like a cool thing. I might try it out at some point. It's on it's on PS4, right? Five. So therefore PS5. PS5. Yeah. It's and only PC, on PS5. And PC. Oh, wait. You, you can you can okay. enjoy it on your um new gaming laptop. My nerd like. machine. Yeah. yeah. It's not it won't it won't I be too exclusively pay super auto pets on. <laughs> <laughs> it it won't uh it won't be too machine destroying, I don't think. I don't think it's like the the equivalent of playing a triple A blockbuster from Activision or whatever. <laughs> um but that's right. Yeah, uh, I I do recommend it because it is different and it would be nice for people to play more different things. Yeah. Cool stuff. And I guess that, that comes into my second game, which is a game that I spent a lot of my Christmas break playing because I bought it on Switch, and that is Three Point Campus. The game that is not difficult, but just endlessly interesting to me. It scratches the exact same itch as playing Theme Park on uh, the PS2, or Theme Park World, rather, the sequel to it, which it's it's just a really good time. And if you've ever played any of the two-point games, they're just really approachable, fun, like, sim management games. There was Two-Point Hospital, and now it's Two-Point Campus. And I, I cannot recommend them highly enough. They are quite cheap to get at this point in time. And honestly, I think it's worth it. I would say, however do not buy the switch version because it crashes constantly which is a shame but if you can get it on, i was just like, gonna PS5, ask you about that because you were like oh i played it on the switch and i'm like oh i was thinking of getting it on the switch how was it <laughs> it's it crashes every like five to ten minutes when you're playing in like the third or fourth year of the game which is not ideal because you have to get three stars in a lot of the areas to unlock all the cool stuff um i would recommend just getting it on a console that is not the switch anything else because it chugs constantly and it sounds like your switch is taking off um but yeah it, it's a good time regardless it if it's the pass? only option that you have it is also on game pass which is why i tried it in the first place so there I you got go. it. I i've got it on, on switch after that i've got it on ps4 it was actually my birthday gift to myself this year and uh yeah it, it works fine on ps4 it's a really good game i i enjoy it a lot too. it's phenomenal it's one of those really kind of minimal risks of kind of game overing simulations like you're, you're not going to yeah. get a game over um but yeah it, it's it's quirky it's fun it's got a good sense of humor the art style's fun and uh it does a good job of kind of slowly ramping up what you can do with it like you, at first you yeah. can only have a couple of different courses uh, I think it's like science and VR or something. Uh, but later on, yeah, yeah you, you you start getting some really weird different like things and the campus environments become interesting. You can put all kinds of food stores down and stuff. I really enjoyed it. Uh, very good fun time. Yeah, it, it's a good game. Also, like if you are of the generation who played like Roller Coaster Tycoon and that sort of thing, it gives me the same energy as that so that's a pretty big recommendation on my end um i'm Trent, more of a theme series game. and sim series kind of person not all these roller coaster games but if it like theme hospital is like 
you know, like the, the, the old one, like Two Point Hospital is clearly like a really good spiritual successor to Beam Hospital. So if it's that kind of vibe... Then oh, it's exactly great. the same. Like if you've played... It's the same two, thing. If you played Two Point Hospital, it's exactly the same kind of experience. So yeah, You'll love it. It's, it's also very just like calm to play. Yeah. It's pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> you can sit down with your controller and like two hours later still be playing just enjoying building up your little campus it's just like a nice time i just wish more games were just nice you know what i mean yeah more games should be nice <laughs> what's your second game my second game i'm just gonna go with like Wii sports free first like you know i'm refusing to call it by its proper name because it's Wii sports free and it's great and I was playing the golf game the other day. Like, it's the first time. I, I haven't had a chance to, like, sit down and actually play it for a while. So I haven't played it since golf came out. And everyone sucks as at golf. And it's great. Because, like, I was doing really well. And then I got to the end. And then I started putting. And then I failed. So, yeah. I, I'm glad that game came out. And also, I'm sad that no one seems to give a shit about it. Because everyone was so pumped about it on the announcement. Like everyone was like, I oh, think it's, it's sort of three. Whoa. I think what sort of fizzled it out was the fact that golf was an add-on. Like everyone sort of looked at the launch games and they were like, "Where's golf?" Like, like I know golf's not like a really a system seller, but like a golf. lot of people seem really di- disappointed at launch from that. Like that they needed that sort of complete package, and like. A lot of those games are pretty similar. Like you got badminton and tennis. Like they're essentially the same thing. You've got like, you know, bowling. So, like, not not a lot's really changed. Bowling's good too. Had what twenty five sports for Wii Sports Resort. So it it it's just yeah. a step down. I was like, oh, where's sword fighting? Where's kayaking? Where's oh, sword fighting was so sick. Sword yeah, fighting's in there. I think I eight is in there. <laughs> But, but there are some that don't work, like volleyball. Um, I say this is a big fan of the sport of volleyball. Uh, it doesn't work in Wii Sports. It doesn't kind of reduce down to a waggle of the controller very well. And I didn't think the football game was good at all. I, I really did not enjoy football in Wii Sports. But uh, I played bowling a lot. Again, I always play bowling a lot with, with Wii Sports. Uh, yeah. I haven't played golf. I should give, give it a go. I haven't, I haven't really and there should be more games like um ring fit adventure like if there was something which used like the ring from ring fit adventure and incorporated in the sport theme and just went more bananas with that that would be great i just I, i'm glad that they're going back and actually making a competently made nintendo based sports game again because after mario strikers this year i just lost a lot of faith in my life I like Strikers. I did as well, but then I stopped playing it because there was like three characters to play as, and they were all the same. Yeah, it is very upsetting. It is a little bit limited that way, but I did think that kind of you know in multiplayer, it it's good. It's a good time. 
Uh, and that's the yeah. way I played it. You know, it, it, local multiplayer online. It's not really. It, it, it's one of those kind of Fun beer. It is miserable. It's it, it's a beer and chips kind of game. Like if you can get a yeah. local multiplayer thing going, you can have a lot of fun with Mario Strikers. But that is pretty Do much people its own like role. Strikers, or am I just like interpreting Matt's? No, no. A lot of people. A lot of podcast. <laughs> a, a lot of people didn't enjoy Strikers. They. It was. It's limited. Like it doesn't work as a single it's fun, player game. But it's not good yeah and it, it doesn't <laughs> exactly work exactly that it, it's not really an online game either it doesn't have enough of a competitive edge to be an esports thing and it's not it, it really is just one of those kind of local beer and chips games if you can play that way then you can get a lot of value out of it if you can't then you're not going to because yeah it's it's just too limited that otherwise it's a shame because it's good <laughs> But anyway, Lachlan, oh, Lachlan what's your second, second game. game of the year? I've got one that's kind of cheating, um, but we were talking about two-point campus and sim games. I got completely sucked into season four of Anno 1800 this year. Um, Anno, yeah, it's a, it's a long-running simulation game where basically you build an island in the 1800s and you set up supply chains between different islands. One island might produce beer, the other one might produce iron, and then you've build up your empire it's published by ubisoft which is a bit eyebrow raising but and the game has 12 dlc packs but they're actually surprisingly really good value that all add gameplay it's like an old school pc i was gonna say like... season season passes that i did not realize they were doing season passes for that one i used to love the anno games back on the consoles hmm. and stuff i played the d the 3ds or ds one can't remember oh what yeah console it was on one. But I played it a lot, um, and yeah, I, I stopped playing them because I don't really play many games on PC, but uh, I didn't realize that they were doing the season pass thing with that. But it was still very yeah, strong, which is good. The last one I played was 270, like, like 2070. That's a while well. ago. <laughs> yeah, that was a cool one. I like that. Mm, yeah, it was a and good one. with more the, space stuff. The space one after that, I think, is what turned people off, 2205. Five, yeah, that's it. Because all the numbers have to add up oh. to nine. It's a weird thing. Don't get that one. It requires an active Ubisoft connection, oh. and they always tell you to vote oh. on the council, but the council oh. server is down. Um, but yeah, if it, it's one of the rare Ubisoft things where they haven't completely nickeled and dimed for these expansions, it probably doubles or triples the length of the game. It starts off the base game was like you've got the old world and the new world, and then season four they've got like. I think there's four you can do build in the arctic you can build in africa it's just it's really rare, one of the rare games where i'd actually recommend getting the season pass for um and i'd recommend it's getting really four exciting. season passes so yeah it, it's been on sale it's been 50 percent off um i've sunk 600 hours into it yeah if you want a harder sim game highly recommend it i'll definitely have mm. to check that out yeah you've done all well all right that's what third game matt Yep, I'm going with something very Matt here. Um, Fire Emblem Three Hopes, which was a, it's the Warriors kind of re envisioning. Oh, yeah. Um, so it takes That's the a basic game. Yeah, it takes the basic plot of Fire Emblem Three Houses, which we, we were talking about earlier on the podcast, and um, does a Warriors version of it, which is great. Same characters, but now action and you can direct your dudes around a bit using the map. So it has a little bit of the tactical feel of Fire Emblem. And I just thought they pulled that one together really well. And it's uh, 
highly enjoyable and I always find Warriors games memorable. So of the three or four Warriors games that were released this year, I think it was just three. There was Empires and Toucan Rambu um, and then this one. So of those three, this one was probably the, the one that stood out to me as my favorite Warriors game of the year. Mm. That's exciting. I mean, because I I went back and tried to play Hyrule Warriors 2 again, and I had a decent time with it, but again, it's just the frame rate. It's just too much for me. Yeah, I mean, the, these is, games is always have one frame better? rate issues, so this one is not going to be any different, but uh, I, okay, so I will doesn't, play this game. <laughs> doesn't doesn't really bother me, so uh, I know it bothers other people, but uh, I get along just fine with it. But Yeah. That's good. Trent. Trent, what's your third game? I'm going to go with, like, every other game I was playing this past few weeks, Sports Story. <laughs> so it's a great follow-up to Golf Story, kind of, but I don't know. Like, some people hate it, some people love it. It's really buggy, but, you know, I was kind of vibing the Golf Story, like, style, and Sports Story feels that really well. So, yeah. That's, um, because that's the spiritual successor to the, like, uh, what's the uh camelot like uh mario golf style games on the game boy advance right well it's more homage i mean it's different developer it's an aussie developer actually yeah spiritual um, successor sort of thing yeah def- definitely you know in the spirit of those games um yeah, yeah. Look, it, they they stealth dropped it like it came out of nowhere and it's really well, the original dropped Apparently, a lot of people are getting soft locked, and apparently, it's a bit of a troubled development. Interesting to see what pops up, but apparently, if you go back to a previously explored area, you just get stuck there. So I'm going to wait a bit. Oh, yeah. Golf story not. broke my switch. This is a no so, one believes so me. So <laughs> I'm near the end of the game, and uh, well, I, I don't issue. Actually, I'm not really near the end of the game. I'm probably like halfway through, mainly in the main part of the story. Um, my golf clubs are broken. I can't use any of like the really good ones. I have to like if I use like the like the current good ones I have, I can click it and then the little thing goes all the way to the end and it goes all the way back and it goes instantly clicks on the far thing. So the ball just goes right in front of me and I'm like, yeah, golf story is great. <laughs> Right, so what you're saying is wait for a little bit. <laughs> well, you can change your clubs to older clubs and then it bypasses that. But I also had like, there was like a go-kart mission in the mall and it glitched out on me and fell through the map. And then when I respawned into it, it was loading the same map instead of the actual go-kart level. Oh. In other but words, yeah, like wait, a, wait for patches. Yeah, wait, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then somehow I glitched myself onto a train. There's a train which has a lock. I didn't realize it was locked. And then I didn't realize there was an item to get into the train. So I got near the train. There's a button which says jump onto the train. I'm like, yes, I'll jump onto the train. And I couldn't get off the train. Yeah. So wait for patches. <laughs> yeah. Wait for patches. <laughs> And Lachlan, what's your game? Final game, uh, Mixed Feelings, Return to Monkey Island. have to mention it. That's a oh, big yeah, Monkey yeah. Island fan. Didn't love the story completely, but um, had great music. Once you get used to the art style, it's it's quite pretty. 
Um, probably actually the best starting point for new fans of Monkey Island, because then you can go back and play the older ones later, which I like more. But um, yeah, um, I'd been waiting for a proper final Monkey Island for, oh, feels like, oh, actually, come back to high school. So for decades now. Um, yeah, it, while I didn't love some of the decisions they made about it, um, I won't spoil it, but I have strong feelings. Yeah, still, still a good game. Um, I'd like to see more classic adventure games, more puzzle games. Would have liked the puzzles to be harder, but yeah, good to see more people or more companies investing in some of these older franchises that people desperately want follow-ups to. Yeah, it is nice. Yeah, that, it's that it's exciting. It existed. Yeah, yeah, mm. that that it exists is a is a good sign of what might come. Yes, especially if it did well commercially. So, yeah, that mm. that was definitely a thing that happened this year. It's a seven out of ten game. But as a diehard Monkey Island fan, you've got to like it. That's all you need. Yeah, yeah. Seven out of ten is a good is a good time. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. And that's what leads me into my seven out of ten of the year, which is Warhammer Forty Thousand Dark Tide, a game which is really good, but is held back by the fact that it's not done. Um, it's just left for dead. If you played Vermintide, it's that, but in forty k with chaos guys, and it's pretty fun, but it doesn't work. <laughs> um. It is, it's not worth buying right now, I would say. It's an aggressive 7 out of 10 with a caveat of wait a year. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very good. I, I think it's, it has potential to be bloody wonderful, but it's held back by poor tech, um, an item upgrading system that doesn't work, that doesn't even actually exist right now. The shop is live, so you can buy cosmetics for real money, but you oh. can't upgrade your in-game weapons which is criminal honestly um but yeah it's fun just give it a year it might be good next year which is so sad to say <laughs> yeah it's hard to keep up with Ninja all the warhammer games, games. they release 70 million of them every year these days i mean i've got total war three no one of three because i wanted to test out the uh the capabilities of the new computer and it's very lovely it's a great game it's fun but then I had the moment of like, oh, I'm back to being in year six and playing Warhammer with like my year six friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And smelling awful. Yeah.
And of course, we have a guest this month, and this guest also has happened to have released a game. So, Lachlan, would you like to just go over what you have made and what you can do in it? So, I've made a new game. Um, brace for the title. My mad scientist roommate turned me into her personal robotic battle maiden, um, which is a long title. Uh, but uh, in the age of visibility on Steam, you need something catchy that quickly summarizes your plot going on. Um, so, yeah, I'm leaning into the whole light novel giant title trend, and um, it actually has worked. It's got a lot more visibility than my previous RPG, um, so I will be giving this a go for the short-term future. Um, yeah, so basically, um, I made a game a couple of years ago called A Lunar and Bree. Um, it took all of the visual novel elements of my previous games, and I tried to make essentially a Persona-style game. Not so much the themes of self-discovery and all of that, which um, which are great and all, but I really like the time management and the social aspects of having friends you could hang out with and things like that, more so than the deeper personal revelations. So um, what my game is, is essentially your... Um, just a guy whose roommate is a mad scientist. Um, you use her toothbrush by mistake and she takes revenge by transforming you into a robotic battle maid um, girl who has to wear maid outfits and do what she says, leaning a little bit into that BDSM thing, trying to get some more <laughs> audience into the games. Um, yeah, and then you get sucked into a fantasy adventure in my ongoing universe. Um, so you have to juggle uh, exploring this fantasy world and interacting with characters and shopping um, and while completing a dungeon against a time limit. Um, it's a turn-based JRPG. There's four party members. Um, I've got some voice acting. I worked with some Australian voice actors. Um, Amy Smith, um, who I've worked with before, she's really prolific in the indie game scene, particularly with Australian games. Um, I've got Rhiannon Mushal, who did uh, a couple of the Age of Darkness games, uh, well, the Age of Darkness game. She's a great voice actor. And then um, Alana Fitzgerald, who's done some indie stuff as well, all Australians, just um, trying to get more of that Aussie flavour in. And yeah, it's uh, it's out now on Steam. I've done released the first chapter and I'm currently working on the... Rem uh, released the first two chapters. I'm currently working on the third chapter. I aim to release that in the next couple of weeks and hopefully the game will be done in a few months. Um yeah, and so far it's been received really positively, uh, which is great. And you, um, you taught yourself coding <laughs> to make this oh, one work. Oh yeah, didn't this you? is a long-running one. So my previous game, Lunar and Bree, I hired a company based out of Pakistan called Frag Games. Um, I had attempted to make an RPG myself in Unreal Engine, and the whole thing crashed and burned. So I hired this programming team, and the first. Uh, engineer that assigned to it, um, Agama Ran. He was fantastic. He set up combat, he set up dialogue. Um, and I was like, great, this is going well. This is money well spent. Um, but then he went on extended annual leave and the two engineers they hired to replace him, I think are about as experienced as I was. So <laughs> um, the source code kind of fell apart. There were many things that were baffling. Like there's, it's a PC game and you can't use the mouse. Um, because of glitches they couldn't figure out, um, which I'm still working around. So after a Lunar and Bree came out and had a lot of bugs I wasn't happy with, it was a bit unpolished, the controls were a bit finicky, 
I was still proud of the story and the overall gameplay, but the balance was off and it haunted me for years. So um, I started, I basically opened up their engine, I duplicated it, and I just started making a new game with it. Um, and after close to three years of me jumping in and out of this engine, I finally got something I'm proud of. But learning learning Unreal Engine is one thing, but learning someone else's code and how it all interacts with each other, oh, it was many, many, many days just to fix one minor bug and then to go, oh, so this is how this works. And yeah. I mean, they got a game working. It sounds utterly horrific. I'm not going to oh, lie. I don't know was. how you've done that. <laughs> I don't know either. Um, and halfway through, my uh, computer broke and I couldn't uh, produce anything in Unreal Engine. So I had to... So what I did, which actually worked out great, was I took all of the characters I had made for this game and then I rewrote a planned plot for Max's Big Bus 2 and I released that instead. <laughs> and then instead of fixing my computer, I, I finished up Max's Big Bus 2, used all the money on that. And then I used the profits for Max's Big Bus 2 to get a beefy enough computer to debug the game. So it's, it's honestly a miracle the game released, but um, I'm thrilled to have finally had a positive experience out of all of this, which is great just took two games to do it i'm genuinely the, very the impressed <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's, yeah. that is insane well done thanks i got there <laughs> in the end God. but yeah you've got a you've got a great game it's uh it is a lot of fun and it's one of those kind of uh indie rpgs that i think mm. people that get into uh, or that kind of discover it will, will find they really enjoy it um it's got you know really good sense of humor as all your games do, and a hundred percent positive reviews on Steam. Only Which eleven, is good. But still, <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it it's a word of mouth. Eleven thing, people right? who have chosen yeah. to take time to write for you, though, so that's a pretty good sign, regardless of oh, how yeah. many it is. It's eleven now, but give it a year, it'll be a thousand, right? <laughs> give it a year, it that's, might be fifty. <laughs> that's how these things work. It goes from eleven to a thousand in a year. Once the word of mouth yeah. happens, oh, it's like Spinal totally. Tap. <laughs> um so what was the what was the biggest challenge for you then a apart from the the actual physical learning someone else's code what made this game more like interesting or ambitious in your opinion um well the learning the code was was probably 90 percent of the challenge but yeah um <laughs> my last game eluna and brie when i tried to do that uh, open world stuff I went all right we're gonna have a city you can explore there's all these places you can go to um so there's like a, a town there's six districts you've got a dungeon which have new dungeons that open up over time but the problem I had was that it was a little bit overwhelming at the start and I went okay rather than just throwing people into the deep end without like a ton of tutorials I decided to uh make a much smaller world map initially so instead of like having access to everything it's just the first island it's more of a linear journey you go from one island to the next so each island is a different dungeon the first one's uh the reused island from Aluna and Bree but the second one you go to um Obsidian Peak which is like a cat girl Christmas town that's going to have Santa later um you then go to the woods like the fairy forest you then go to a battlefield and then you go to the this big theme park and a big fight there um and just by limiting the scope to one at a time i'm like all right these characters live here and i can in chapter two you get these new things chapter three you get this it just structured it uh, i felt in a much better way and it seems people prefer that approach 
Um, so yeah, sometimes just throwing people in the deep end might work for Elden Ring, but when you're an indie RPG, sometimes it doesn't hurt to have a more a stricter focus, I guess. Um, yeah, that's probably the biggest difference between the two games, and I felt it's made a huge thing. That and that to update the UI to make everything more readable and little chibis to show where people are and who you can talk to during each uh, time period. Yeah. There's a stricter time limit as well. Um, I gave people too much time. I went, okay, um, in Persona, you often run out of time and can't hang out with everyone. And I went, let's give them a bunch of time in Aluna and Bree to hang out with all the different well, social links slash heartbeat events. But most people knocked it over by about chapter three. And by chapter four and five, they'd run out of stuff to do. People were much savvier with abusing in-game systems than I thought. <laughs> so yeah, I decided to overwhelm people by throwing in uh, half as much time and twice as many characters. So you can probably only see 80% of it realistically. The time abusers will find a way to see everyone. But yeah, just just tighter, just more focused, um, which I think is... As an indie developer, it's very easy to just keep adding and adding without scaling back and bringing things in. Um, yeah, it's yeah. a learning process. Well, you, <laughs> you said better. that you said that you added uh, Australian voices um, yeah. to kind of double down, I guess, on the the Australianness of it. Um, do you get feedback that of, uh, across all your games that that is kind of a quality that people kind of appreciate, or is it kind of something that they gloss over like oh, does it matter to players that this is very australian it's more over time it's being picked up in the first couple of games i was a bit nervous and i didn't want to lean into stereotypes but i've been leaning into it more and more i've got some feedback on people being surprised by the accents in this game for example mm -hmm. um, and it's something i want to do uh, even more with going forward i'm working on another visual novel that I aim to release later in the year, uh, Help, I'm Turning Into a Mermaid. Um, and the plan for that like is the, I'm going... Like the Phil Jennings... Um, oh, the no, Round the Twist. Sorry, not Phil Jennings. What's his name? Oh, <laughs> Paul Jennings. I can't, yes, yeah. I, I yeah. don't remember that particular one. <laughs> I remember the Spinning Willy. <laughs> oh, I don't remember but, the Spinning Willy. That's a classic that story. Yeah. Horrifying fox. Um, God. But yeah, um, I plan to get to, I'm hopefully going to work with 10 or so Australian voice actors, and I think it's going to completely gobsmack a few people going, oh, this is Australian. Because um, the Australian voice acting scene, you don't hear a lot about it, but there is probably a few dozen people working in it. And um, yeah, it's like, oh, these people need more exposure. We need more Aussies in these games. So yeah, hopefully the Australianness becomes more and more apparent over time. Um, I mean, people like Persona because it's a simulation of Australian life. Why not a simulation of Australia with, as Matt said, big booby anime girls? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just, it, it's such a odd, <laughs> odd mix that it has that very anime aesthetic and then the very Australian <laughs> um, mm. mannerisms and, and characterization stuff. Um, have you ever... Early on, yeah. I was going to say early on, I tried to mix elements of Tokyo and Sydney into my main city, Axon City. That was what it was meant to be. And so I was like, oh, here, artist, here's a picture of like Akihabara, here's downtown Sydney, here's a Sydney train station. It didn't really come across super strong. But um, so I've gone less Japan and more just lean into the Australianness over time. Have you ever seen you? <laughs> have, have you ever been tempted to, to like move the 
the the the kind of the art style away from the anime style um to i guess for one of a better term i guess a more western style to kind of mat match that kind of aesthetic up with the with the australian quality i think the contrast is what works in its favor also i've done the incredibly um lazy slash clever system of recycling all of my art assets throughout the game. So characters from Max's Big Bust 1 are still showing up in this newest game. I've tried to keep the art style consistent. So while a few of them aren't drawn as well as later characters, it's like, oh, yeah. And people love the returning characters. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's how I'm able to keep releasing games. Instead of starting from scratch, I'm only adding on, say, 20% new assets so I can keep using existing characters all the major characters will get new sprites and new outfits and and new animations and things but uh, a lot of the older side characters are just coming back they've maybe got an outfit that i'd saved for a future game that they'll wear um at the end of the day i'm just a solo developer i still have a full-time job working at a local uni so i can't like start from scratch yeah mm. be interested to see what an australian like art style would be though um, for this style of game, because it's not. It's a just ton that sort of like washed out sort of palette with like a like a round the twist or like parallax style children's TV show vibe. No, oh, it's, go yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be Blinky Bill with big boobs, dude. <laughs> oh, Blinky Tits! <laughs> blinky Tits! <laughs> uh, that traffic light. I'm not gonna be able to sleep now. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's an hour. That's an image. Is that out of my brain? <laughs> yeah, it's the magic pudding, but like fucked. Oh no! <laughs> no I think I'll stick to anime. <laughs> yeah, it's fair enough. I want to see a life simulator or like a modern like living simulator set in Adelaide, where the main area you go to is the mall's balls. That's that's my yeah, end goal the, in life is the, to have that happen. The the problem is, Alan, when when you do a visual novel or whatever, you need to have kind of like five or six iconic er it's areas to explore. Adelaide has and one. Adelaide has one. <laughs> you got a shopping mall. You got a shopping mall, and then you maybe get to do a you know, trip to Glenelg or something, and that's it. You've tapped out Adelaide. Then yeah, it's, no, it's not enough to go to Glenelg. That's like not even available in the game at this point. <laughs> It's the shit time. It's, it's, there's just not, a, not enough content in Adelaide to make the game, unfortunately. There's not enough content in Adelaide, full stop. Well, what a place to live. I'd recommend living there. Maybe. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, I'm, it, it's constantly kind of impressive to me how many Australians are actually out there making visual novels that are. I mean, yours is obviously Australian, and you can't kind of, you can't play it without realizing that. But I mean, the, there are games that I've played that Australians have created that I wouldn't have known a Australian were it not for the fact that somebody told me. Like last year, there was a there was a visual novel called Corpse Factory that was released. Is that Australian? Um, yeah, it's Australian. Yeah. I didn't even know until until I was researching it for a review, and I was like, "Hang on, this developer's from Melbourne. Interesting." Um, but yeah, it, it, it's amazing how many Australians are out there um, creating I these wish kinds I of games. Live in New South Wales, Honestly, I'll say that. when I um when I think about Australian game design now, I'm actually genuinely excited. And uh, at least in Victoria, there's the whole like 
a Victorian arts grant that they're giving out a lot, which is lovely to see as well. I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that the rest of Australia takes on to that because there's a lot of very creative people. Like um, even last week, I think it was, no, it was a couple of weeks ago, Frog Detective 3 launched. And that's been doing very well from what I've heard. And that's extremely Australian in just being weird little guys. And then, you've, of course, you've got the most anticipated game of all time, Silk Song, which does not exist and will never exist. But What's it's it's on, exciting man? because the fact that, like, developers such as yourself, Lachlan, are able to, like, you know, do pretty well on a global stage with limited support from, you know, any arts or government-based groups is fantastic it's genuinely really really exciting and it's a big testament to the creativity of australian creators and to yourself obviously so yeah it's exciting hell yeah yeah there's more of us i'm i'm in rural new south wales so i get i'm in armadale middle of nowhere um so i don't get any government grants unfortunately you're like only like 100 kilometers away from me you know that i'm in tamworth oh nice nice (laughs) (laughs) it's a hot version of armadale (laughs) yeah pretty much yeah, but um, but even there's a Coffs Harbour is a close town, and um, I didn't go last year, but they had oh, a big uh, Nexus Con, very small little convention that took the one first one I went to was in like a the local school's basketball court. Um, but there was a couple of people. There was a few that had retired from um Chrome Studios and had done some stuff with Epic Games, and they were doing like a little indie game jams up there. So there's there's more people around than you realise that, and that's just within like 100 kilometers of where I am. Yeah. Well, yeah. 200 coughs is a bit further, but still. Yeah. It's um, it's really exciting. And the more that we see Australians on the grander stage, the more people will realize, oh, wait, it's actually worth investing in this because there are yep. some really cool things happening. I must admit, it's, just, I, it's very nice. The, <laughs> what, I, what I think I would like to see for, for Australia is more of a, identity for our games kind of coming through that people can kind of more easily point to a game and say, Hey, that's an Australian game without having to be told if that makes sense. I mean, you know, everybody knows the Japanese game industry and, you know, they play Japanese games and that comes through quite strongly. Other than that though, you've kind of, everything else is just kind of this big mesh of it's a game. uh, And I, I I would like more games like what you're producing, Lachlan, that are identifiably Australian, that this is only a game that this is a game that only Australians could make, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, I'm looking at Corpse Factory now. It looks gorgeous, but they've set it in Tokyo. Like that could have been Sydney. <laughs> well that that's exactly the thing. Like that game could have been an Australian story easily. Uh, instead. It could have been set in Adelaide. <laughs> it could have been set yeah. in Adelaide. Um it could have been an Australian game. They, they, they could have just... There, there's nothing about it that says it has to be set in Japan. It's just that's what they've done. And I'm, I'm not criticising them for whatever reason they've decided to do that. It's an excellent game. I highly recommend everybody play it. It's a, it's a, yeah, little, bit, it's it a little bit dark and subversive, but it is uh, it is a very smart game. It's very well written and it's very, very much worth, worth playing. But yeah, it, it could have been an Australian game. And, um, you know... Uh, there, there was the, the back when we had a large game development industry, um, we did have that Tales of the Borderlands game. Well, sorry, the Borderlands game that was set yeah. on the moon and was aggressively Australian as well. Oh, um, the yeah. pre-sequel. 
yeah, very and Australian I'm, game. Uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Borderlands, but I did appreciate the fact that they actually made an Australian game. I would like to see more games that kind of have, you know, this, this is a developed in Australia by Australians and is uh, some in some way reflective of Australian culture. Uh, I, I think that would be important for us uh, as, as the industry goes along. Um, I'm waiting for a Pokemon game set in Australia. Well, that makes sense. Actually, there was one other Australian game that was released this year that was very aggressively Australian, and um, that was called Dinkum, which is basically um, Animal Crossing, yes. Animal Crossing, but set in Australia, which was oh, great. I saw that. Yeah, absolutely great. I love that it came out of nowhere. Um, the developer was. It took me ages to confirm that he was Australian, um, but he is. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's just nice having that. You know, the, it's a contrast that it's not just another Animal Crossing like game. It's an it's a reflection on our culture. So more of those kinds of things yeah, would be it's, good. I want a version of Picnic at Hanging Rock as a video game. <laughs> just go down the the line of like classic australian tales the castle we can adapt that into a video game well well what i want to know is why haven't like big game developers like rockstar or something like that like you know came in and just done shit with dead kelly or something like that you know thunderbolts rock you know those sort of things we have... it actually does surprise me that we've not done more with country australia because oh. it's like the wild west kind of mm. Because they thought the Horizon Three was set in Australia, that was a big AAA it was investment, sick. In and that was the best one by far. But maybe yeah. I'm just biased. <laughs> I mean, I think... it was just cool to like drive around country Australia and be like, yeah. I mean, I think I think part of it is like I, I think you've kind of tapped into that with your with your voice actors. Uh, for for Australian games to be identifiably Australian, we do need to have that voice accuracy as well, where the characters are therefore you know accented. Um, yeah, as Australians, I'm uh, trying to get a diverse cast, but that Australian, like that twang that you just can't get away from, that's always there. Um, and yeah, I um, I I spoke to, sorry, I spoke to Amy Smith, who's very prolific. Um, recommend her as a podcast guest if you can get her. Um, but yeah, uh, sent me a bunch of Australians, and it was really difficult to narrow down the list. There was a handful. I was like, oh, I'm only voicing four characters here i desperately want to hire everyone here um because there's some really talented australians that just aren't getting any coverage um so while i doubt they'll get it from one of my games i think it's gonna it's gonna add a lot of a lot to my games once i can get more people on board um that's what i'm most excited for for 2023 is is working with voice actors reading some of my ridiculous <laughs> dialogue which is gonna be um gonna be a bit surreal but um I'm going to have to edit it more than once. <laughs> more proofreading <laughs> required. Because <laughs> I proofread my stuff, but not as much as like a professional editor. So I'm going to have to be careful because, yeah, I don't want someone saying something, sentence that makes no sense and things. But yeah. It, it's any consolation. Just... I'm a teacher and I still do that when I teach my kids sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There'll be moments where I read something and I'm like, oh, that's like not a good sentence. I have to reword this on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's easy to, to just fall into the habit of writing something funnier without really realizing that if you said this out loud, it would just be a word salad nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the joy of creating. Because hmm. realizing that halfway through, like, oh, wow, this like is insane. This is an insane person. 
I love that. So what's uh, the plan for your next experiment there? So you're talking about making another visual novel. Is there any yep. hints about what that may be? Yeah, so I'll give a few hints. Um, I've got to finish mm -hmm. this RPG first, um, but I yes. did probably 70% of the work back in 2020 um, over the past couple of years while figuring out the engine. So most of it's done. I'm just finishing up the story and polishing and all of that. So that sh it should be done in the next couple of months. Um, next visual novel I want to do is another Australian RPG about a guy that turns into a mermaid gradually over time. Um, hence, help, I'm turning into a mermaid. Um, I did at one point make a non-gender bender themed game with a Lunar and Brie, but it didn't do super well. So I'm going to stick to my strengths for the time being um, and just do another one similar to Max's Big Bust because um, it seems to be what people enjoy. Um, yeah, it's going to be the same sort of thing I did with Max's Big Bust, except it's going to be mermaids. It's going to be um, exploring old ruins like Atlantis. It's all in a big underwater area. The whole main city you're in gets sucked into a magical dimension. So it's still the same Australian stuff, but um, in a different context. Because also, so basically old... Avatar 2. Yeah. Did you ever... There's an old show called Danny Phantom on Nickelodeon. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, and at one point, their whole town gets sucked into the ghost zone, and like it's the same town, but outside of this big bubble is all the spooky ghost stuff. And it's that sort of same thing, but with spooky Cthulhu underwater stuff. So, WandaVision! Yes! <laughs> Except outside is spooky. Yeah, rather than stuff. Yeah. Um, and lots of silly aquatic stuff. I'm going to be parodying the Australian... It might all be to do with mining. <laughs> so there's going to be some of the Australian stuff, like that whole Scott Morrison Cole speech. I'll be I'll be lampooning that with voice acting, which will be funny. Um, it, this, I'm leaning more into parodying Australian politics. I may have a mayor character called uh, Barnaby Pandurai, who might be mocking my local member, just a tad, which Trent may be aware of. So there's plenty of material there to make fun of. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, Australian, Australian politics is pretty self-evidently funny, so. Yeah. Well, do, do you have it's an onion guy? You need an onion guy. <laughs> onion oh, you guy? You get an I onion. Catch up on it. I'm out of the loop on that one. Uh, no, um, onion guy Tony is, Abbott, um, Tony Abbott. Oh, yes, duh, duh, of course. Yeah, no, that's easy. Yeah. Budgie smugglers. Yeah, I had a budgie great. smuggler joke in the last game. That was the name of one of the swimwear shops. <laughs> that's very good. <laughs> I'm on board with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really well, exciting. Too political. Just just a little bit of parody here and there. A bit of fun. Just a little bit of like that. Ah. Yeah. Well, like it's great. It's like pointing. a game which like takes Australian euphemisms and other stuff, but like from like an outside perspective, which doesn't like so like budgie smugglers, it's like a shop, but they're actually smuggling budgies. Like <laughs> stuff like that. I got a I asked the artist to draw a budgie in a pair of speedos, and the response, like for the logo, because that's all I have. And this Japanese artist was like, "I found this very distressing to draw." <laughs> like what? <laughs> but that's all. Machine translations back and forth. Like you use the free translations. It could have meant something else, but yeah. <laughs> oh, they were they were very very confused by that request. Yeah, it is one of those things where. It it's hard to explain that without having grown up around it. Yeah. There's a world out there where instead of saying like Alakazam and like that sort of thing, it was just Australian slang words. And I love that idea a lot. 
oh i have to like just going out there instead of like saying like the traditional like magic words it's just like oh dingo yeah just aggressively like australian stuff yeah i'm here for that i have had to dial back swearing my last game max's big bus 2 got in a bit of trouble with steam sensors for having too much swearing um I really? kind of may, yeah, I may have used the good old C word to describe a friendly <laughs> interaction with people. But that's like, that's just Australian. I know, but apparently that got me a triple X adults only rating, which is baffling to me because cyberpunk has got first person sex <laughs> scenes and customizable genitalia, but Max's dick box too has- You can pick your dick. <laughs> yeah. And I said the word dick and just apparently someone commenting on having a dick, I had a dick joke at the start- admittedly they had giant anime boobs and that was the joke but um had a a bit of everything but i wasn't allowed to have that and i've got a triple x rating and you have to log into steam to see max's big bus too so i am dialing back my swearing a little bit which is disappointing but it's so it it is so frustrating like i I don't know what it is about steam whether it is the anime thing whether it's a thing about indie developers or where it comes from but um it, it the, the the inconsistencies and the mm. what what it feels like the the specific, specific targeting of kind of these small scale in the visual novel projects like there's another um developer ebby ebby himes who oh yep created sweetest monster and sweetest monster is a very very good game um it got released on steam fine it has actual you know it has full sex scenes and everything and it, it was fine um then she went around and produced sweetest monster 2 or whatever the sequel's called and it doesn't have any of that stuff it's much like the content is is much less um extreme than the first sweetest monster and it got banned from steam um completely banned yeah completely banned from steam to her complete confusion and um you know it's not just the small guys too there was also the the really famous example of last year of chaos head getting banned uh until the entire fan it was uh, until the entire fan base of spike chunsoft got up in arms and then steam paid attention and reversed it but it, it is crazy how this stuff gets hit by censorship when um like you say cyberpunk has sex scenes and full-on frontal nudity and all that stuff and that gets waved through and yeah. you've got you know extreme horror games on on steam like um last yeah. two where like you can see a dick agony get cut or off by a suck succubus thing suck wow. succubus which was that polish game which is about you know a trip through hell as a succubus and it goes places and it gets waved through huh. and these these things are crazy there does seem to be a specific uh, vendetta against visual novels for some reason and it's because all I don't I've know. got is I've got, yeah, characters in swimsuits and characters in their underwear occasionally. Like, there's no nudity. And I thought I'd be okay because all of my characters are in their, like, mid-20s, early 30s. Like, there's no one in high school. Yeah, it's, it's not like, like you've got the one... school uniform going on or anything no, like that. No, none of that. They're police officers half the time. Like, yeah, but apparently that crosses a line. But uh, that's why I was a bit careful with... um 
this robotic battle maiden game, I made sure there wasn't any panty shots on the title to crop that out, which was a bit of a shame because it was a it was a nice bit of artwork. But I went, ah, oh, better not push it. Better play it safe. Disappointing, but I, I will find ways to work within my new self-imposed limitations. And apparently, um, Steam is easing up a little bit, but it's it's just so inconsistent. Like, like witches allowed to have sex scenes, but some games are not allowed to have swimsuit. I just I don't, but hyperviolence is fine. Is it an American thing? I just don't really get it. Yeah, it's an American thing, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I, I imagine um, it's basically Steam deciding uh, what's going to get us in trouble with the the moral police. Um, and that just. LGBT to... themes might work against me as well because I've got quite a few same I was going to say there. maybe the, the gender bender thing actually yeah, might, gender be, bending. Might, might actually be uh, factoring against you too. Because that's but I get a, a surprising number of sales from Russia and things and places where it's illegal to <laughs> play games like this. They're still buying it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the. Uh, I, I'm certainly like we've chatted kind of offline or not, not on, not in public, but I, you know, my, my vision of also not even going to bother sipping into Steam because I just know that they're not going to. It's buy. still worth giving it a go. You get a lot of exposure. Itch.io is a great website, but exposure dies off very quick. Whereas Steam's got quite a lot more. Yeah, no, I'm, I'll, I'll look at I'll look at other platforms like um, Deal Site and stuff. Where you know, for, oh yeah, that might be good for indie for indie games and yeah. Um, yeah, I'll chat with you more offline because I've dealt with a couple of people, got mixed feelings on a few. So I'll I'll send you some messages. We can there there is I mean not, the the one that I'm producing that um the, I'm doing a dance sport one if I can get around to finally getting it done probably take me a year or two um but that one will be fine for steam there's nothing in that one at all so yeah that'll probably Damn, be the I'm first... disappointed i want a risque sports uh dance sports game matt you did, you're letting me down <laughs> no Aren't it's they going, going to like a, a hooters or a stripper bar at some point <laughs> <laughs> like a dlc chapter <laughs> i mean these things are always tempting it's always tempting to produce an itch itch io version which is just not like nobody's wearing clothes anywhere <laughs> like you can get away with that on itch um, mm. but yes, yeah, Steam, Steam's the way Steam treats visual novels is uh, it definitely annoys me a great deal. Yeah, you can't complain too much. I mean, it's still like a, it's still most of your sales are going to be on Steam, and you do get visibility. It's just, I just wish there was more clarity around their rules. Yeah, that's uh, the thing. It's fair enough. Yeah, I mean, if if they say you can't have this, I go sure. What do I need to change? It's just the not good enough, and you see other people skate by and games. Some of them have this, the R eighteen patches, and you're like, mine are just in swimsuits. I mean, they've got giant boobs, but they're in swimsuits. Yeah, it's just um, it's disappointing, um, and just unclear. So I'm going to try and avoid the triple X rating in the future. But for all I know, Max Two did quite well. It's my best selling uh, new release game, which was fantastic for me. Meant me meant I could actually get a computer. Um, so maybe it got more sales. I have seen a few angry comments of people angry that it's not got any sex scenes in it. But I'm like, I never said it did. <laughs> you read the other <laughs> content description that says Steam, Steam no said content. it did. <laughs> yeah. People are mad because yeah, Steam promised It's a valid something. refund reason that they won't <laughs> remove it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, the developers describe the adult content like this. There is no graphic nudity or sexual content in this game, and yet still they're frustrated. Yeah. 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 
Um, All right. You never well, know, maybe I've won over some people. <laughs> well, best of porn game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> best of luck with it. I hope it's. Uh, I hope this new one is successful for you, and uh, you can continue to produce them. And yeah, hopefully you've got many more in, you know, in, in the pipeline in the future that's as the well. Plan. As long yeah. as you can keep making them, I guess that's the main thing, isn't it? Yeah, and thanks for having me on the podcast. It's always fun no, to come on this. It's great to have you on as always. Absolutely. Um, and uh, thanks, Alan and Trent, as always for being excellent hosts and it's good to be back it's good to be in yeah, 2023 yeah. nice and uh, yeah. hard and it's already busy so yeah should be a good year for everyone